0: Hey everyone, welcome to a very special episode of St. Mark's Cathedral Conversations. My name is Michael, and I'm here with Kara. Hey, Kara.
1: Hi. With Bishop Frickle's resignation coming up, We thought it might be nice to sit down with him and talk a little bit about his time with us as a diocese and ask what sorts of changes he's observed, what sorts of hopes and dreams he has for us as a community, and what he will and will not miss about this area, weather-wise.
0: And finally, if you are wondering if we're going to have more content from Cathedral Conversations about race, yes, we will, and we'll see you in 2023. Thank you. Hello everyone, welcome back to a very special episode of St. Mark's Cathedral Conversations. I'm here with Kara Peterson. Hey Kara! Hey, oh my Gareth. goodness, hello. <laughs> and we are very honored to be joined by Bishop Greg Rickle. Bishop Rickle has announced as I'm sure all of you know that he is uh resigning from the office of bishop, but amidst all the chaos of this transition, we did want to sit down with him just to talk about his time with us and talk about how he's doing now. So Bishop Rickle, thank you so much for being here with us today.
2: Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you using the word resign because a lot of people have gone to the word retire. (laughs) They're very different. Uh, I feel like I'm resigning not retiring, so I appreciate that very much. Thank you.
0: Uh, Absolutely. Um, On that note, I think that's a great place to get started. This is my first Episcopal transition. Uh, You have been the only bishop I have ever quote, known. And so Ooh. I imagine that
2: experience... Uh, uh, probably a liability in some ways, but go <laughs> ahead. Yeah.
0: So I imagine there are other people in the diocese who have similarly never been through this kind of a transition. Uh, what would you want folks to know who, when 2023 starts, will not have you as their bishop?
2: Well, uh I think a transition is a great opportunity for a diocese, especially if it is in a healthy place. And I believe we are. Uh, Transitions in any situation cannot be good if it's not a healthy place or a healthy situation. But I think we, my my vision is we essentially have that right now. And so it's good. I think the first thing I'd say is that this is not a typical Episcopal transition. And some people have noticed that, especially people that have been through it before. And so I'd talk about that first, that typically I would say the most typical uh, Episcopal transition done by choice uh, would be to, uh, you know, announce two years in advance and, you know, put a day way out there and uh, and just start plotting along uh there, there are reasons why I think that's not a healthy situation. Uh, and some of them are personal and some of them are, I really do think are sy- systemic and, uh, and could be very positive. The personal ones for me is I just, I hate long goodbyes and uh, I love doing the work uh, a lot more than I like saying goodbye. So, uh, I mean, I'll just, will cop to that. I mean, that's part of it for me. Uh, we have a joke in the house of bishops that we don't want to do the two year sheet cake tour. And uh, this is what we thought it would be, you know, so I don't really want to do that. And, and I would say, you know, maybe not publicly or it's not being widely discussed, but really the leadership in the house of bishops is kind of talking about, we need to move toward uh, transitions like the one we're trying here that happen a little bit quicker uh, that get the, um, resident long-term Episcopal uh, office holder out of the way so that the diocese can think, uh, vision, uh, contemplate, strategize without that person in place. And to me, that's just personally too with me. I really, really, uh, in sync with that line of thought. I just think that it's a lot healthier. Um, and you know, I said, from the beginning that i would when i left i would leave because i think another uh, healthy thing is to get out of the way and not be hanging around so we're going as about a, about as far as we can in the continental united states away from here uh mostly that's pure coincidence but uh but we're going to do that now <clears throat> all of that said uh, let me just say that transitions, I think, are opportunities because what will happen now is standing committee uh, really has taken charge since July 15th when I announced. Uh, so everybody understands they were told that uh, about a week before everybody else. So they knew it was coming and uh, they knew uh, the job ahead of them. And I just want to commend Vicki Daves, chair of standing committee and the whole sitting Standing Committee and some new ones came on this week. They work really hard and they did not sign up for this when they signed up for uh, their role. But it's it's something that could happen. They standing committee in our system becomes the ecclesiastical authority uh, in the absence of a bishop. And so they had a choice to make about how they would go forward. And I think they made a very wise choice. It was certainly part of what I was thinking when I thought I might do this to have a, a Bishop provisional. And uh, I had a person in mind and it just turns out that person's going to be our Bishop provisional, Melissa Skelton. And we're I'm delighted about that. And I said this in my address at convention that uh, it made this so much easier on me to know that she would be the person that will step in. So we'll have a seamless transition that often doesn't happen. Many times the bishop, uh, sitting Bishop will leave And it takes a while to find a provisional, but we have one built in and already set up. And uh, I think that's just gonna work fantastically. So once uh, I will give up uh, ecclesiastical authority officially at midnight on December 31st. And uh, so I will really be celebrating New Year's Eve like I never have before, I wanna tell you. And uh, uh, so at 1201, she becomes uh, the ecclesiastical authority. Uh, The standing committee has uh, asked me to stay on for one more month, so I I will get paid by the diocese for one more month because I'm going to finish with the Holy Land pilgrimage, the last one, but also so that Melissa has me at her disposal, and I'm still under uh, contract and pay, so she can ask me any questions she might need, Um, and of course, she and I are already talking and doing some of that. Once she takes over, though, the, the standing committee will turn its uh, gaze toward uh, setting up the process to find the next bishop. So uh, they will more than likely I, I stay out of that. That would be totally there. But more than likely, what will happen is they'll first be a profile committee and the diocese will be widely invited into that process to talk about where are we now? Uh, many of the questions you're going to ask me today are going to get asked of everyone. And, um, and my opinions won't matter. Their opinions will matter. Where are we right now? What do we need in a, in the next Bishop? Uh, that kind of thing. And once that profile is done, um, then they'll shift to a search committee, probably a different makeup of people who will uh, start looking for that person. And there'll be nominations from all over the church. Um, Uh, you know, typically we see 20 to 25, 30 names put in. Uh, I think this diocese definitely will see that. I think this is a, in the pantheon of diocese, I think we're, we're, we are a real catch, you know? So I think there are going to be a lot of people that want to uh, uh, come and be part of this. And we'll, (laughs) and I'm so glad that that's true. And I think uh, you have many, many options. So, I just uh, felt like it was the right time to do this. Uh, I'm really, really glad, as many people have said, and I feel this too. I didn't know why I discerned to stay uh, back when we went through that discernment. But then we had the pandemic and then we had George Floyd Mm -hmm. and all of that happened after that. And I'm uh, whether I know this is not 100 percent that people are glad about this, but I'm glad uh, personally that I stayed so that I could help us navigate those things uh, but with those things uh, firmly kind of under our belt you might say I think it became clear that it was time to um, to move on uh, for a lot of personal reasons but also I do have a kind of a feeling right now that if a white male and leadership can get out of the way they ought to get out of the way and so all of those things put together, I I decided it was time to resign. <clears throat> yeah, well, that's a kind of a fire, that's a fire hose qu- uh, answer to your question. <laughs> well, well, I mean, of course, but well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I am
1: nothing if not a fire hose secretly. Come on, let's be honest. So... <laughs>
0: But I, I, I do appreciate that, Bishop, and that you have covered so much of what we'll talk about. And we'll go into other details as well. But as for me, as I said, somebody who's never been through this before, I've certainly read about it and I follow other dioceses on social media and I see what they present. Uh, so it's really good to know that through your work and the work of so many people who have been part of your office, that we're in a very good place to... Um, In a way, hand the keys over to the standing committee, to Bishop Skelton, but then also to know that we're going to do this properly, we're going to do this carefully, so that when we do have a full-time diocesan bishop, we will be the right diocese for that person. And importantly, they'll be the right bishop for us, too.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think taking any kind of anxiety, desperation, uh, or speed out of this process is a plus, and I think in this situation, we've been able to set this up so those all have been eliminated. There, I mean, of course, there's anxiety, but there's not nearly the anxiety uh, because we have a really good leader in place. We have a good transition uh, in place, and we have solid people in the positions that they need to be in. So I think we've done the best we can to set up this moment to be positive, mm-hmm. and uh, and also to be careful and i think that that is exactly what you just flagged is exactly the important and the important tense of this moment is to be careful yeah. and to be thoughtful and to be reasoned about where we're headed next and to be truthful with one another about where we are and where we're headed next
1: yeah this is of course we won't talk about the previous uh episcopal transition of this diocese but it was it was a little traumatic for us. And so to have, have there this was traumatic little... for me, uh, well, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, what a weird day. I, God, I love the story. The day that we elected you, the power went out at the cathedral when we were still yes. small enough to hold convention there. And I was stuffing candles into bow batches. The, the sun was going down and they were casting votes. And the like, when we finally elected you, the, cathedral was dark and you were on speakerphone inside the nave and it was just you're like yeah. oh i was okay. like,
2: <laughs> i was sad i couldn't be there because it's so it sounded so medieval you know kind of election yeah yeah but, right. but
1: maybe, again, maybe we like,
0: should do that when we have the new bishop um, elected we just turn all know. the lights out put the candles out and go yeah, really old know. school for that
2: Yeah, I've kept that that, um, tradition up, though. I mean, literally this week, last night, I was at an event where uh, the microphone works fine. Uh, I think Kara's been through this. You have, too, with me, Michael. Then I put it on, and it doesn't work. So uh, (laughs) there is something about my presence or personality that just uh, does not like electricity. I don't know. So I don't know. Maybe that was a sign. (laughs)
1: oh i didn't even think of that but that's
2: i mean but long before i came here uh at st james and austin at easter vigil we got to that crucial moment where all the lights were on and we were yelling hallelujah and a lightning bolt struck and all the lights went out (laughs) so all you could hear is me (laughs) saying we're doomed you know it was not it was not quite the uh, easter vigil that you hope for but uh so i've Unfortunately, that's a liability I brought with me, uh, oh, um, the, having an effect on electricity. <laughs> well,
0: not, I mean, with you going, then there goes my scapegoat, because now I'll have yeah, the responsibility yeah. for that. That's right. You can't blame <laughs> me
2: anymore. That's right.
0: <laughs> Something you mentioned is um, that in the, as you said, the pantheon of diocese, we're doing, you know, we're a catch, which... I, I like to think so. My experience with other dioceses is very limited, but I've really liked being part of this community here. Uh, and in your time as our bishop, how have we changed? I mean, it's been 15 years. I imagine we've come forward in many ways, and in some ways we haven't. How have we done with that?
1: Let me first well, say I mean, that we are in yeah. a much better place than we were 15 years ago. I just, I like, I, I have to put that in, is that, under your leadership, this diocese has at least developed the ability to look at itself and be able to do yeah. things like that. Thank
2: you. Yeah, okay. Well, well, I really, really appreciate that. And I totally agree, actually. The, the difficulty in me answering questions like that is that uh, I really don't think it's mine to answer. I think uh, the only people that can truly answer that are the people that needed it to change and needed it to be different. I mean, in the seat I sit in, it really is kind of so often the emperor has no clothes. I mean, we're the last ones to see sometimes really that change that you're talking about. But I, and you know, a lot of people have asked me why don't why, don't, why aren't you listing the legacy that you've left and all that? And the same answer I give: it's not mine to do. Hmm. Uh, I have an idea of how this place is very different from when we came here, but it's not mine to tell. Uh, it's the people that needed it to change. It's their story to tell, not mine. So, so it really needs to be asked of other people, but, uh, you know, since you're asking, I would say, uh, some of what Kara is saying is definitely true, at least to me, that, um, uh, we had huge anxiety about money, Uh, when I came here. And I don't think you're ever going to eradicate that out of humanity. Uh, But I think we have a lot less of it now. And at the very least, we're transparent about it. Uh, There are no secrets about it. uh, Or there don't need to be. Uh, You know, I think uh, we're a far more connected diocese. And I think if you make me pick one thing, Uh, I think that's the thing. Uh, I think both of you know that at least communication is a high priority for me. It's responsiveness is a high priority for me. Uh, There was a a massive distrust of uh, anything called the diocese and certainly the office of bishop. Or I sensed that when I came. And a great disconnection. Like uh, it was often described as a black hole. Uh, that just things went into and never came out of. And uh, that was an undercurrent, I think. And bishops or any rector, or anybody comes in to lead an organization needs to look at both what's implicitly said, and but probably even more needs to listen for what are the undercurrents that are not said, the things that really are the issues, but nobody wants to speak them. And I think that was one I really picked up on when I came here was that um, there was a great disconnection, a great distrust, uh, kind of mm, whether it was warranted or not, kind of an elitism about uh, the leadership of the diocese. And I really wanted to break that down, if at all possible. And so uh, I think that's the one thing I would say. Uh, there are many markers you can look at i mean when we i got here i think the assessment rate is 22 percent it's 14 and a half now um uh, quite frankly one concern i have is that we're we're doing things that are going to make that start that that, that decline uh, probably not happen anymore and maybe even it start going up and so i you know i you haven't asked this, but I've also started thinking about things I don't want to be here for. And one things I don't want to be here for is to see that turn around because the goal really was to get it to 10%. uh, So that a congregation would never have to do more than the tithe we talk about as a biblical tithe anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, we had some plans about how we might accomplish that, but those will be left to someone else now. But I think, uh, the way Kara put it makes my heart glad, uh, what she said is we're, we're able to look at ourselves. I think that's a, a great compliment. And I, I think we've got lots of work to do on that, but I think we do that far better than we did 15 years ago. And we're a little more honest and transparent and adaptive. And, uh, I hope that leaves the place in a healthy way so that, um, uh, This transition will go well and it will be easier for a new leader to come in and be able to be clear and be themselves and to take this place in the direction they want to go.
1: That's exactly what I thought when I was asking Michael about doing this, that was one of the things that I was thinking about because, I mean, when you arrived, I was still in high school. And so, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, like, I let's, uh, amazingly
2: watch uh, people grow up. I mean, my I son know. was ten or eleven when he came. Yeah. He was twenty six and
1: oh my goodness. working at
2: his own job now. So yeah, yeah. I mean, so he was irritated that.
1: because yeah. <laughs> the week of your uh, consecration, you know, and he he came and did stuff. And it was the week that his school was going to the Pueolet fair, and I was sitting <laughs> with him. And I was yeah. like, you know. Like how are you doing? Moving to a new state, and he was like, "I wanted to go to the state fair today." <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, no! Yeah. But oh good goodness, yeah. goodness, I love Austin. What a great yeah. kid! I so he's he's not a kid. I'm not a kid. Yeah. Oh my goodness!
2: But well, I, I'm he, sorry. It, They'll always <laughs> be my kids.
1: So. Well, that's well, <laughs> But at any yeah. rate, you know, like you know, it it was. I I didn't know at that point as a high schooler exactly why things were Mm -hmm. really kind of messed up and like I knew what was happening, but I didn't have a sense of those undercurrents. And so having you come in, (laughs) all of that stuff that was happening in 2007 um, and then slowly kind of, you know, straighten the boat and, or, you know, steady the boat and, Help you yeah. know getting some of the properties back from the the weird breakaways and being very calm about it.
2: No, no, I think it's true, and I think conventions, for instance, are real uh, bellwethers for me to look at because, <clears throat> and what I had heard uh, from many people is that conventions, the last few, especially before I got here, were quite contentious, uh, quite. Uh, you know, people said, you know, I don't want to go to convention. I don't want to be part of convention. I really did want to turn that around. And I think, uh, pretty quickly, uh, what I started hearing and I even heard it this year, I thought convention was kind of a train wreck this year, but still people afterwards said, this felt so good. And it was prayerful. And uh, I always like coming here and you know, I love hearing now that congregations actually have people fighting over who's going to be the delegates <laughs> convention. I said, that's good. That's what I, I wanted to get to that instead of them having to beg somebody to go. Uh, and so I think that's telling too. Mm-hmm. And just like anything that can go too far. Uh, I remember 11 years in, maybe somebody uh, sent, you know, a, a, a pointed. But uh, probably, you know, I dug through it as a realistic criticism of our goal is not to be happy. Our our goal is to do the things we need to do. And what they were flagging is maybe we've just gotten too happy with ourselves again uh, under my leadership. And, you know, I took that well, I think, and tried to absorb that and say, yeah, that's really not our job is to be happy. Um, so, you know, people ask, why do you leave now? I, I totally felt like I could stay. I, I didn't, I didn't have anybody saying you need to get out. <laughs> uh, but I also, uh, I remembered that. I remembered that our job's not to be happy or comfortable or, you know, and, uh, sometimes disruption is what makes us wake up and change. So, um, and sometimes we're called to come in and rectify that, but we're also called sometimes to leave it and let let it happen uh, some other way.
0: It's a really <clears throat> fine line to walk. I mean, you do want to, you know, you, you mentioned how there were people who were fighting to get out of convention, and now in a way they're fighting to, to go. You do want that engagement and that enthusiasm and that energy, but it's still ultimately a business meeting as right. much as it's a exactly. wonderful family reunion there's exactly. still boring stuff to work through there's still complex technical things to vote on and it shouldn't be fun it you want people yeah. to like being there but it shouldn't be uh, a party
2: yeah i mean I, I i that's exactly was my thought is if you remember when i got here i think conventions were two and a half days long they were very expensive uh, and I totally agree with what you're saying. I didn't really say it out loud. We just started changing it. I said, this, all we got to do with this is do the business and we need to do it well. And we need to pass the things we need to pass, but we need to do all the fun and the family reunion kind of things and some other place and in some other way and not try to mix these up because, uh, and not everybody agrees with that. And I, I get that. Of course but uh, but to me, one of the great powers that a diocese has that a bishop has in the Episcopal church is the power to convene. It's one of the only powers, and it's important. Um, but I think convening things like the College for Congregational Development and uh, the Bishop's Leadership Conference, those are the places we get deeply connected with one another. We learn, we celebrate, we party, uh, and I think convention is, Certainly convention can be pleasant. We want it to be pleasant, but it's also like you say, it's our business meeting and we need to get together and do the business and not belabor it. I don't think or make it uh, excessively expensive. That could totally change under new leadership, but I I think it was a good change and uh, it also lets more people be involved. Uh, which was a winning argument for a lot of people who didn't want to do it. Because <laughs> if you also remember, we started Wednesday afternoon. So lay people, especially to try to get off and be part of that. yeah, It had become kind of elitist uh, thing where you had to have a kind of job you could get off of and give up on. Uh, so to me, it was better to move it more towards the weekend and make it shorter so more people can be part of it.
0: That makes sense. stuff difference. like,
1: yeah, no, and like and stuff like Cathedral Day coming back. I mean, that literally is a party day.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you have exactly.
1: Confirmations and stuff, and like yeah. I think I, I I it's really nice, and it's fun to have the big circle and and all that, and mm-hmm. it's yeah. kind of I uh, Michael, we didn't put this on the list, but I do want to talk a bit about how the cathedral was brought kind of back into the psyche of the diocese since you came here, Bishop Rickle, because I, I mean, all I have are my impressions, but that was when I first came that the cathedral as a community was very uh, inward looking, but not in a good way. (laughs) Like It was just insular and elitist and slowly after like you came and, you know, even before Steve came and, you know, with Rebecca yeah, yeah. And, and Ralph Carstatton for a couple of hot seconds there, we started to slowly actually turn back towards the diocese. And when I was at St. Hilda St. Patrick a couple of years ago for that interim period, and it was one of the first years that Cathedral Day was coming back. And I it was talking about it during the announcements and a lot of the parishioners there or relatively new at the time had only been going two or three years and they said well why does the cathedral matter like what is it and they, they mm-hmm. had no sense and it was because the whole time that they had been in the Episcopal Church in this area you know St. Mark's had been dealing with other things that required lots of attention and I I think I I think we're more I, I hope we're a little more accessible now uh, I, I wanted to See what your thought
2: I think thoughts are. So. I think so. Yeah. I mean I I <laughs> uh uh what I I was actually told by a person that, you know, I don't necessarily agree with this, but um they said you really have two dioceses that you're about to be over. Uh one is Saint Mark's Cathedral and the other is all the rest of the people. And uh I thought that was a stark kind of thing, but it's also not totally unusual in the Episcopal Church. I mean, uh, notoriously, deans and cathedrals don't get along with uh, the bishop and the diocese often, so I did want to change that, and of course, uh, very quickly in my maybe just weeks uh, or, you know, several months into it, that first holy week, uh, literally the dean at the time basically resigned in the pulpit on Palm Sunday and uh, I suddenly was kind of the rector of and the dean doing a lot of the services for Holy Week which I had not planned to do but uh, I've said many times how thankful I was uh, even though I wouldn't want to live through it again (laughs) that it happened that way because it did pretty much instantly bring me into uh, the cathedral as somebody that belonged there not somebody that just was overseeing it and kind of sometimes there and so i've always been thankful for that because i think i have had a different closer relationship with the cathedral community than maybe i would have had if that had not happened hmm. but we consciously also cho- chose leaders uh, you know ralph rebecca all the people we have mentioned uh to say we really do need to, this, this place does not exist for itself. It, it exists for this community, uh, definitely, but also for the greater church. And I remember uh, early on, I was in a, I think I was at St. Andrews, Port Angeles, and a woman came up to me and she said, you know, I was driving into Seattle the other day and I saw this beautiful church It sits up on a hill, it looks like a big box. And, you know, I drove up there and looked at it and just loved it. And I just thought, you know, we need something like that. And I said, you know, I'm going to make your day. I'm going to make your day. You know, you have something like that. In fact, that is your church, you know, and she was just so excited. You know? And I, oh. I thought that's how disconnected uh, the mm-hmm. place can be if we're not careful, you know. so. Um, yes. Uh, you're, you're not going to totally change that around. Yeah. But um, yeah. I think we've gotten past some of that.
1: Yeah, well, I was just going to say, especially as, as big of a geographical area that our diocese covers, I think a lot of people don't have a sense that, like, you know, New York State, for instance, is broken up into, like, probably five or six dioceses just because of the population. But uh, yeah. it's really difficult to pull someone in Port Angeles or, you know, Vancouver South, I'm, you know, kind of help centralize all of that. Yeah. Right. Right. unify, not centralize, but, you know, connect. Mm
0: -hmm. And I I like that the word connect keeps coming up and Bishop, you mentioned it yourself that over these years, you've seen us become more connected and the cathedral has an, has an important role to play in that connection. And I, in the five years that I've been a member there, I think it does, it does connect well. I'm sure there are more things that we can do, but the fact that we have full cathedral days now is not a not insignificant. That says a lot about how the roles have matured and how they've evolved.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I don't. Uh, I don't think I. I think I can actually say I've never really had the pleasure of somebody coming out and saying, you know, I argued with you back then. And now I'm coming to tell you, you were right. <laughs> but I actually, I actually had that happen. Uh, oh. I will not say who the person was, but a person was just adamantly upset with me about uh, that time, that early time in the cathedral when we brought, brought Rebecca McLean in, <clears throat> telling me we don't need an interim, we need to go straight to a search. And I said, we're, we're not going to do that. Uh, because you all have lots of work to do and we're not ready for a surge. And they were so mad at me, but uh, literally about eight years later, they they said what I just said to you, which I just about got knocked over with a feather. You know, I was so mad at you, but I want to tell you, you were right. Uh, That was the way to go. We needed to do it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, the other moment is when um Steve Thomason was finally in the search you know there came that delicate time where I waited to see uh if he came into the final list and he did and then I said to my candidate ordinary at the time I've got to go tell that search committee uh about our past uh I tried to keep that a secret there for as much as long as I could uh so I did I went and said you know We're pretty close. We've known each other a long, long time. You all need to know that before you make this decision. And there was, it was a true test of, you know, just how close do we want to be to one another? uh, Because, but, and there was a long silence. It was just like everybody staring at each other. And uh, one person who is still pretty active at St. Mark said, uh, finally, what a novel idea a dean and a bishop that actually like each other, Uh, you know, and and that kind of broke the ice. And, um, you know, we went from there. I remember when Steve got there, I said, I told him, I said, I'm glad you're here, but I said, we need to have an argument fairly quickly that you win. And so we figured out what it would be because I said, (laughs) we need to, We need to show uh, the people that you're not my yes man, you know, that, and he's not. And I I will say that publicly right now, uh, he is not. And um, we are very close, but we can get into big fights. And I think that that's good. I think that's actually healthy. It's made for a good friendship, and I think it's made for a good relationship uh, between a bishop and a, a dean as well.
1: Yeah, and, you know, having that kind of built in at the tail end of a traumatic time for the cathedral ended up helping a lot. And then, yes, of course, we quickly found out that, I mean, Steve wouldn't have been your mess, yes man if he wanted to. His personality wouldn't let him. (laughs) That's exactly right. But exactly i mean and but he is another that i mean he and i but had quite a bit and i keep telling him i'm only giving you this much grief because i know that i know that you can put up with it and that you can right look at yourself right. just like me and it's the same sort of thing is that it just, i just i really truly do feel that the cathedral is in a better place of the community uh under all of this yeah. and it's
2: yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that. Well, I don't think you could have raised ten million dollars to do what was done if that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, play, things like that don't happen unless you really no. are fairly in a healthy place. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I agree with that. And you know, we we do, and probably something that has not happened, and is really a again a human thing that has to be worked on probably as long as we exist on this earth but conflict is re- a refining fire it's a good thing it's not it's not something to try to get away from completely but learning how to do it well uh is very very important and um i, I don't think we're totally past how to do it well uh, at all you know like uh I find myself still fifteen years in saying to people, and this is probably just human frailty, and I do it too. But you know, people start so often from the worst place, the worst assumption, instead of starting in a place that I always say: ask a few more questions before you go for the jugular. You know, I mean, uh, ask a few more questions. Make sure you you got your data right. That you really have this right. What you're thinking in your head about me. I mean, Brene Brown does this all the time. I think it's so great what she says, you know, what is the story you're making up? And how much of it are you making up or how much of it do you know? And I think that's so important uh, for us. And we still we still all can learn how to do that a little better because uh, we're a little bit conflict avoidant here because we do it so badly, I would say. (laughs) and um but we shouldn't be conflict avoidant. i think conflict is a good thing it's a refining fire like i said it gets us to new yeah. places if we're open and we do it well
0: on the topic of conflict uh, i'd love to ask you about the lambeth conference
2: <laughs> yes <laughs> just a little that was a segue i was just <laughs> yeah. dying to
0: make oh i'm, um, I'm
2: happy to talk yeah. about it
0: how was lambeth for you uh
2: well you know i don't like those awkward meetings i don't I don't like general convention uh, really that much. Uh, Not that I don't love seeing the people and being with people. I just, I think so much of the work at those things are, uh, you know, I'll say a waste of time. Uh, But I want to say that Lambeth was transformative for me this time in a way that uh, I didn't expect. Uh, I went there with great suspicion. um, You know, a lot of anger the first few days, the American house, we were meeting every day to try to figure out what are we gonna to do tomorrow? Because uh, you will remember they were gonna do voting, which I think is totally not what Lambeth was started to be and all that. But what was good is all, It was. it's interesting, we're following up on the whole thing about conflict because I would say that conflict did become a refining fire. It was what ultimately was more important to everyone, no matter where they were on the spectrum, was the relationship not whether we got it all right. And that is the ultimate place, I think we as Christians and faithful people need to get and need to, uh, we, that's the, the, the space we reside in if we're doing this right. And that's where we got to. And I think the Archbishop did a great, wonderful pastoral job of getting us to that place. Uh, in some ways he, he tried uh, on behalf of the people that demanded that we voted, he tried it. And I would put it this way. he, he I don't know any of this uh, from him. Uh, these are all assumptions. like he and I have not had a long conversation, about what were you thinking? None of that. but i what I think he was thinking is, I'm gonna do this by feel. So we're gonna we're gonna actually try to vote once. And we did. We voted on some early call that really was not that big of a uh, contention. I can't remember what it was. But you could just feel it in the room that it wasn't the way to do it. Hmm. And that was the last time we saw those. I mean, and I think what he let happen was, let's just try it. Let's see how it feels And, and the way it felt. Uh, I think was what moved it to, okay, let's don't do it that way. Let's do some other way. Um, Which was good because by by the time we got to the human dignity call, which I am still uh, angry about the fact that it was called human dignity, because really what it was about was uh, human sexuality. And it was about um, not uh, allowing same sex unions, but they called it human dignity. But by the time we got there, um, I think that was really the prevailing way to deal with it was uh, the feel. And, uh, and I think that was the most moving moment in Lambeth was the moment when the Archbishop kind of said, here's where I think we've gotten to on this particular issue. Uh, and he said it much better than I'm gonna say, but he said, you know, we, there are places In this church, the Anglican church in the world, that if we do not state clearly that marriage is between a man and a woman, the church will be diminished and may even be in danger. There are other places in the Anglican community, in our church, where if we don't say that it is completely blessed by God to be in a relationship that's beyond a man and a woman, the church will be diminished. And it could even be in danger. That's what he said. And it was like this heaviness came over the room and also a lightness about, yeah, that's where we are. That's the reality of this thing that we're doing here is that's true. That's true. And both can exist together uh, in Jesus Christ. I mean, that's where we got to. So. I see that as tremendously uh, positive. Uh, I would have been totally good with that script if you'd said that's the way it's going to turn out before I go. You know, that I, would, I would have been good with that. Um, and I think that moment actually, I'm hopeful that moment is going to move. And many people afterwards said that I think after that, the Church of England may actually be able to move on. Uh, because some of what they've gotten held back on is the fact that so much of the communion doesn't want to go there, even though their society definitely wants to go there. So I think he he did a lot of things in that moment. Um, It was shorter this time, and I think that's always good. Uh, But yeah, I started out very negative on the whole thing and ended uh, with it as very positive. Um, I thought the calls were the right things for us to be talking about, uh, and I was glad to see creation care kind of rise to the top. I mean, what became the unifying uh, thing at Lambeth was our earth, the climate, uh, the fact that we're going to lose that if, we're, if we don't work together, and that's exactly where it needed to go.
1: Yeah that's gosh
2: now the and the first thing i did i didn't plan this but i actually i thought i was going to go to lambeth and be the receding flower that most people wouldn't even know i was there but uh it ended up that we were right at the front of the march uh to support the uh gay lesbian trans community on that university campus and I just decided, Marty and I decided, that's the one place we were going to be that day. And uh, <laughs> so we just were marching around the campus and we were collecting bishops. Some of them didn't even know what we were marching about. I just said, come on, get in line with us and only start marching around. Uh, but, uh, but you know, suddenly I found out I was on the front page of uh, English papers. I started hearing from people and all. <laughs> so uh totally unplanned I know people said, oh there he is, the media hound he's out oh, there doing no. it but I totally uh totally happenstance but but a happy accident and uh, I'm glad that got the press that it did yeah is
1: is Archbishop Walby afraid that if the Church of England uh approves just non binary marriage or whatever that, The rest of the communion would be expected to follow is that one of the things kind of holding it back
2: well or that they would they would get more they would leave Uh, i think it's the worry i don't know that it's Mm -hmm. his worry but it's many of the conservatives worry Uh, but what i think his statement in that moment may have opened up as a way for them to move ahead uh, even if other parts of the communion don't want to uh, now, that is not going to satisfy many people, especially in our church, you know, that, but I think the thing that's got our world in such dire straits right now and, and our church to degree is this all or nothing thinking. You know, I mean, we're just not, we're just not an all or nothing species. We're not. And uh, for us to keep, thinking like that it's going to get ugly before it gets better uh it's going to be we're being human is a messy endeavor and uh being human in the church is no less messy uh and we need to get more comfortable with that and not demand that everybody be right where we are uh or we can't be with them we we really have to decide what is it that unifies us, and what are the things that we can say. You know, I don't agree with that, but it we can set it over here because it's not the most important thing about our our connection. And to me, that's that's kind of where Lambeth got to. And like I said, that's that looks like a sellout to a lot of people, but I think I think they're wrong. <laughs> you know, I mean. I didn't like either the reasoning that some people gave to Lambeth, but there is some truth in this. What I'm about to say that if you remember at the last Lambeth, uh, Gene Robinson wasn't even allowed on the grounds. Yeah. All right. This time we brought many. Well, many, many more than then. Many more women bishops were there. Many more gay and lesbian bishops were there. They were not. They were not even discussed. It, it came this time about the spouses. You know that was the issue was bringing their spouses, yeah. which I agree is totally absurd, ridiculous, stupid. I can't believe we went through it. But that is it's incremental. But that is a shift. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big well. And Lambeth
1: only happens exactly. every ten years. So I mean, yeah. there's. There's only a if data point every left. 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it was more than that this time because of the pandemic too, huh? Mm. And yeah. I guess yeah. a lot of people forget. I mean, as you said about what Archbishop Welby said, is that there are areas of the world where the Anglican communion operates, where if the church openly declared support for, for you know, alternative marriage, then like they could, they could get shut down they could get hurt like
2: they're absolutely like they're, i mean we i yeah. mean that's and, why lambeth works we sit in bible studies with people from those parts of the world that tell those stories i was in one who said he had literally gotten out of three days of prison to come to lambeth he was imprisoned by governmental forces because he's part of the gay church uh You and I don't live under that. We don't live under fear of just wearing a purple shirt and a collar identifies me as being part of some church that they're going to, they want to eradicate. We don't live that way. It's, it's luxurious for us to make the arguments we do when we don't have to live like that. And I think that that's the power of Lambeth is people that say, well, it's all or nothing. (laughs) It's hard to sit with somebody who just got out of prison uh, only because they're associated with the same thing you are and make that demand on them that it's all or nothing. Or it should be hard for us to do that. Um, And, you know, that's also the difficulty uh, that bishops get that luxury to do that, to hear that voice, to sit with a person for day on end about the struggles they go through because of what we do. And I know not everybody gets to see that, hear that, know that, but there is power in it that we still do it, I think. And, uh, so people that tell me, well, we shouldn't be even doing Lambeth. I totally disagree with that. I totally do. If, if we're going to keep the Anglican communion and we're going to keep this tradition going as it is, that, Is one of the most important gatherings we can have for the very reasons we just talked about. Uh, There is transformation. There was transfiguration, I think, in the group of bishops that were there this time in a way that made those 10 days vitally important to the survival of our communion.
1: Yeah, who was the, I don't remember which bishop uh, whose blog you also posted along with your letter, but he had compared it to the family. You know, and yeah.
2: It's uh Mark from he's a bishop of Europe. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Yep.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, hangs out yeah, in. paris
2: Mark I really like him. He uh, did a great yeah. job of summing up uh, Lambeth. Uh, he yeah. especially before we got there. I think he his blogs and his thoughts and his yeah. pressures kind of helped it get to where it was. Uh, finally, got to.
1: Yeah, making noise helps.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, right,
0: right. Oh, in a gosh, way, there's, I guess a... there's. Sorry, Kara. Go ahead. Oh, I was just.
1: Well, I was probably. I was about to segue, and you were also probably about to segue, and you're better at it, so I'm going to let you do it.
0: <laughs> well, th- all right. So the last thing I'll say about that is, uh, even before we started talking about Lambeth Bishop, you mentioned, uh, in relation to our diocese and the way things were and the way things are now, the importance of relationship over being right all the time. And I think that translates very well to what you told us about Lambeth. It's not about these different provinces and these different bishops being right all the time, but it is how, how we can be in relationship for all those differences. And
2: that is always going to
0: be more important.
2: Yeah. And, uh, I thought one of the most important moments of Lambeth was the archdeacon, and it didn't get really much press, uh, and it was quick. It was lasted four minutes, maybe, but he got up and gave a brief history of Lambeth, and basically, it was started to build relationships. It was, it was never started to pass legislation. It was never started to put any kind of on, onerous uh, thing on any other province. It was started to build relationships. I thought that was the, the most important thing. I thought it got glossed over a little bit. I thought the Archbishop could have done a little bit more with it because that is the ultimate reason why I would support Lambeth is the relationships. It's just knowing when you're talking about the Bishop of Pangenica, for instance, you know who it is. You know them. You you talk to them once. You can call them up and say, "Hey, you know, what do you need? What do you, that that is important. Mm-hmm. And if for no other reason, I think it's uh, vitally important uh, whether we can hang a lot of material good that comes out of it. The relationship part is very very important.
0: Carrot, did you have anything you wanted to uh, go with? No. (laughs) I mean, that that was a really good pin on that, I think. Um, Thank you for sharing that. I know, Bishop, your time is very valuable. I imagine you have a thousand things to do uh, right now. So I'm happy just to start putting the final touches on this to shift gears slightly and i was wondering if you could share with us some of your favorite memories of your time with us in the pacific northwest or just in the pacific northwest in general you are headed to a very different part of the country so what do you think you would miss about this place
2: well uh you know my wife and i I think have both said we'll miss the mountains i mean we're going to a place that's uh I think the highest elevation is 10 feet above sea level or something like that. So, and there is, there is no mountain anywhere. And so uh, we'll just be living right by the side of the Everglades. And we're excited about that, but we'll miss that. And uh, you know, I tell anybody that might want to come here is that you will make drives in some of the most beautiful parts of this planet. Uh, to get to wherever you're going. And I'll I'll miss that too. Uh, I think the the best memories of the people by far and many of the best memories I've shared along the way, uh, probably the one that I remember the most and I wrote about and was actually in a forward to a book uh, where I got asked that very question, what's your favorite part about being a bishop? Uh, and I said, "It's it's still always uh having the awesome um what is it blessing and uh, awesome responsibility to stand in for the apostles and lay hands on people's heads and pass that line along and uh you know i've you probably heard me tell this story but the but once when i confirmed early on a, a a young girl, she was probably 13 or 14, but she was just totally, she just totally didn't want to be there. She was rolling her eyes the entire time I talked to them, and um, she just was unhappy. And uh, so at the end, I told her, you know, you really shouldn't do this. If you're unhappy about it, it doesn't matter who wants you to do it. Um, if you don't want to do it, you shouldn't do it. And she just, she blew me off and said, oh, no, I, I want. I'm going to do it. And uh, but she had listened because I tell this whole story about what's happening in that moment when hands go on your head and, and we had been through all of that so when she stepped up uh, to me I put hands on her head I left the silence that I often leave uh, when I do that and a big smile came on her face and tears rolled down her cheek and I knew in that moment she got it. Now, I leaned down and I whispered in her ear, I won't tell anyone uh, because I knew what was going to happen. She stepped back from under my uh, hand and she just went right back to her dower, you know, kind of, this is the dumbest thing in the world and all this stuff. (laughs) But this was the secret that she and I shared is that she got it. Uh, So it's. That moment, it's moments like that that uh, are my favorite moments.
0: That's that's really special, and I would hope most of the people listening to this would have, at some point over the last... 15-something years, had a similar experience with you. I know I did. My first cathedral day, uh, you were presiding when I reaffirmed my baptismal vows. I'm sure Kara has Mm -hmm. her own experiences. Mm -hmm. We've all, Mm -hmm. I think, shared just between you and whoever that one person is, that one special moment of why this matters, why it's important to have somebody who can do this. For us as Christians, yeah.
1: well, we were shoveling yeah. D house's driveway because the city requires it. But oh yes, I remember that.
2: <laughs>
0: yes, I did. So whether oh, it's God. that in the cathedral in that incredibly special moment or shoveling snow in a driveway,
1: shoveling snow,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sacramental well, moments are everywhere.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I've, I've always believed I'm not. I'm not too good for any work that needs to be done so you know if it's shoveling the snow then that's what we'll do
0: (laughs) well no snow where you're going I
2: don't think I hope not (laughs) I I mean I've told people my feet have been cold for 15 years and I'm ready for that to change so uh that part I won't miss (laughs) I don't think (laughs) I know where to find snow if I need it uh but it won't be there I don't think so
0: yeah. I'm sure you're going to have many more adventures ahead of you, but I did want to say thank you for spending this last hour with us. Thank you for spending these last fifteen years with us. That's yes, that's yes. not Absolutely. a small thing. And Absolutely. I know you're not quite done with. <clears throat> excuse me, you're not quite done with the Diocese of Olympia yet. So we'll definitely see you more. But I'm really glad we got the chance to sit down and just chat. No pressure, uh, no agenda, but just to get to know you a little bit more. Uh, before we part ways so thank you so Agreed. much for today bishop
2: thank yeah. you for doing this thank you for inviting me i appreciate it all right absolutely of course. thanks all right take care bye, bye. all right